Hello, and welcome to episode nine of Read This Fucking Book, Lost Stars by Claudia Gray. I'm Rachel. I'm Elena. We're reading Lost Stars by Claudia Gray, which is a pretty great Star Wars book in the new canon. It was published in September of 2015 as part of the run-up to The Force Awakens. And its distinction is that it is one of the first books of the new Disney canon of Star Wars. And it's actually a true YA novel, which is very rare in the Star Wars book world uh, and very romancy because of that. Um, so, Elena, what the heck is this book about? All right. So this book basically follows two kids from a backwater planet. Uh, Thane Kyrell is more of like what we would, I guess, call an upper class kid. And then Sienna Ree is uh, a girl from the valleys. She's kind of the poor uh, but honorable uh, uh, culture. And they meet as children and basically egg each other on and train together to uh, attempt to become Imperial Starfleet pilots, uh, end up both getting into the same academy and graduating together. And then as they get sent to their individual posts, their uh, sort of philosophies start to change as they experience different things and see more of the Empire and what it's really about. And Thane ends up deserting um, from his post and ultimately joining the Rebel Alliance while Sienna stays on her command track and does her best to fulfill her oath uh, to the Empire. And so there's lots of... Um, basically the two of them sort of being each other's other half but not actually getting to be together and then it starts being a problem for them to be together I don't know actually I guess it always was because there was (laughs) stuff with like him being a second waiver and her being a valley girl and then at the academy they didn't want anybody from the same world to like hold on to old ties so there was interference and then they're in on different ships and then they're you know rebel versus starfleet it's it's great yeah the universe is trying to keep them apart but the force (laughs) wants them together (laughs) well it's more like the empire wants them apart but the force wants them together (laughs) (laughs) um so i fucking love this book i'm the one that assigned it for us to read i'm a big star wars fan um i grew up reading all of the star wars canon from what is now called the legends canon um, what we called the EU, the expanded universe when I was growing up. Uh, and the kind of the closest thing that we had to YA were like the Young Jedi Knight books, but those were very YA and very junior um, and, you know, very adventure And then there was this book called The Courtship of Princess Leia, which <laughs> is fucking awesome. And I will fight anyone who tries to tell me it's not. It's this great book it's stupid but it's great where they they go to dothamir um which has now become a canon planet uh but that's where all of the um um the rancors are from so there's these sith witches that live on that planet and they ride around (laughs) on rancors and they have like lightning bolts and there's this whole that's like the subplot which is the part i cared about and the, the main plot is um you know han and leia are having an issue and leia like goes off to this planet and is being courted by this prince and Han is like, fuck this. And then there's like a whole, like there's a mistaken identity thing. And then Luke gets involved and it's all, Oh, they're great. It's a great book. But anyway, I haven't had that since like, I don't know when that book came out, like 1995 or something. Um, 
So I haven't had like a proper romance in a Star Wars book that wasn't kind of tacked on as like a B plot mm-hmm. since then. Um, so I fucking love Lost Stars. I don't know if you liked it, uh, but I'm outing myself right now. <laughs> well, uh, short answer first. I fucking loved it as well. Um, Yay! And uh, I, while I did grow up um, watching the Star Wars movies, including when they got re-released um, in theaters with the uh, original digital um editions like my friends and I excitedly went multiple times to all three of them and it was just like the best Friday nights ever um for for all of us because you know we none of us actually read the books so all I all all I had were the original movies on, on my friend's VHS tapes because I didn't have a VCR at my house so it was you know oh hey friend uh can we watch Star Wars again god damn it you always want to watch Star Wars yeah i mean this is such a fun amazing universe uh it's it's just great to get to play in it can i interrupt you and just add that for the if you don't know this book it's actually set around the original trilogy which we'll talk a lot more about that but that made it really easy for me because that was all i needed to know yeah exactly that's why i signed this one to you instead of uh waiting for the new thrawn book to come out or or going with Aftermath, or even kind of diving into the EU and picking up Heir to the Empire, you know, because I really wanted to read a Star Wars book with you because Star Wars books were really important to me growing up. Uh, I read the shit out of them. <laughs> um, like, I mean, I was reading other stuff too, but I was mostly reading Star Wars for a very large percentage of my childhood. So it was important that I share that with you. But I, I really like this book because it's a great entry. It's part of the new canon. You don't need to know any of the old EU or the legends. And all you need to have seen are the first three movies. And that's it. That's all you need. And, and you have all the vocabulary that you need to understand everything that's going on in this book. Yep. And I will add, uh, if you haven't seen the first three movies, you should watch them before you read the book because there's oh, yeah. major spoilers for the movies. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't ma- I'd be like, great, something happened. Oh, okay, now another thing happened. Because it's, it's, there are some things about this book that are so traditionally a Star Wars book. Uh, and these are the kind of things that they've always done in these books where it's like they'll drop in a character for like a scene or they'll mm-hmm. go to a location or they'll talk about an event. And it's, it's very throwaway, mm-hmm. but it's everything to the Star Wars fan, you know? It's like, oh, that's where they are. Oh, that person. Oh, well, look, now I know exactly where they are in, in, in time and in space and where it folds into the major plot. Mm-hmm. It's great. I love it. Um, so I, I guess we'll just start talking about the characters. Uh, there's Sienna Ree and Thane Kyrell. Um, I think it's important that we should just point out that Sienna is black and awesome, and we don't have a lot of those in Star Wars, uh, uh, black people or black women, so uh, yay. Yay. It's like the first (laughs) time I've ever, it's the first time I've kind of ever read a Star Wars story, and I had a hard time finding someone that I could cosplay. And I've had this conversation with my friends where I think she has one friend named Jude, and that's Mm -hmm. the only white girl, and it's awesome. Yeah, otherwise you'd be stuck doing like a crossplay. Um, because mm-hmm. I, I think there would be like multiple male characters, but right, yeah. yeah, Thane is a white guy, but yeah, Sienna is this great uh, black female character, 
Uh, and she gets to be on the Imperial side. So it's really nice to see that they cast the girl character not as the most sympathetic, right? Right. Like she gets to be kind of a, a, a reluctant bad guy. Yes. And, and also um, in a, I think, a very real way, Thane is making um, his decisions from an emotional place. Mm-hmm. Not, I mean, not that Cyanus... And I'm saying Cyanide because there was this, a thing where one of his friends is making fun of, oh, does it rhyme with, like, thigh, you know, mm-hmm. Rena D or something? And I was like, oh, because the whole first half of the book, I'm like, Sienna, Sienna, what? <laughs> uh, we can we can say Sienna, though. It's easier. Um, anyway, she, uh, she, like, she, she is very bound by her own sense of honor. And it's not that that doesn't have emotion wrapped into it, but, like, she basically says, like, that's her emotional rock and then makes sort of rational decisions around, like, what does her honor and her oath demand of her? Whereas, like, Thane is very in tune with, I guess, his own, like, inner authenticity and, like, this is violating some of my principles. Fuck this. I'm out, guys. Yeah, they're both, like, honorable but in really different ways. And, Mm -hmm. I mean, it goes all the way back to the way that they grew up where Thane really is only beholden to himself. Mm Mm-hmm. Whereas Sienna comes from a, a, you know, a culture of honor and it's, it's not just her, it's her sister, it's her parents, it's, you know, all of her neighbors, her people. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think, I I think that's a really great, there's just so many dichotomies in the, in the story, you know, um, again, there's the class issue, there's the way that they approach, like the reasons that they wanted to join the academy, you know, everything Mm -hmm. that they wanted for themselves in their future they they are they're very different people and yet because they they have all these i I forget what it's called but it's like i guess it's called it's shared experience they have so many shared experiences growing up Mm -hmm. because they were always together that it's very natural for them to fall in love but it's a struggle it's not just the universe trying to keep them apart they are fundamentally different people Mm -hmm. yeah so part of um part of their journey to actually like uh coming to a place of like intimacy and togetherness as adults is figuring out how to reconcile like their different philosophies and different principles and how they kind of approach the world and and the life. Mm -hmm. So one of my favorite kind of sections of, of the book is when they're at the Academy and, you know, they finally, we finally get other characters and it's not just them being like seven and like, you know, running around. (laughs) Like, it's like, oh, okay, you know, she has her roommates and he has his roommates and they get to go to class and, and, and kind of woven into all of this is what it's like to be at the academy, you know, mm-hmm. at the height of the empire. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, we get to see them training and I mean, they're like the elite, right? They're on the, they're at the academy on Coruscant and they're the best. They're the best of the best and they're being worked, you know, 24 hours a day and they have to take tests and physical challenges and piloting. And so like, we know that they're really smart and really capable. And yet some of those kids are still flunking out. Yeah. Like they, they talked about the attrition rate being like basically half the class every year. So by the end you've got like what, 12 and a half percent of the original class that's graduating, which that's, insane to me and I, I i go back there's actually a really great article and I'll, I'll find it and link it if i can find it i'll link it in the description um talking about the economics of star wars and like how the empire would have actually worked and like how much money they were just hemorrhaging mm-hmm. and it's like they're bringing in people mostly it seems 
the new canon is is similar to the old canon in that it's mostly humans in the empire Mm -hmm. but they do have a lot more women in the new canon which is fine i'm great with that they uh but they're just bringing people in from all over the galaxy and at great expense training them you know like Mm -hmm. they don't seem to pay tuition like and yet they have this um, this crazy attrition rate. And then what happens to those people that flunk out? They just leave? Like, they don't even get to, to enter into a lower strata of imperial service. It seems like a waste. Yeah, I I agree that it. if, if you're going to... I mean, it's one thing to, to sort of run your command track, I guess, that way. Mm-hmm. Where you kind of want the people that have it on all levels, like, not just on paper, but also, like... In, in practice, in reality, that can, you know, sort of run the gauntlet and, and be put through a bunch of grueling situations because, you know, potentially that's what you're going to be facing if you're actually um, out in the field. And whereas, like, um, a grunt just takes his orders, you know, the officers are expected to be able to think tactically and strategically and, if necessary, like, step in and perform a grunt's work as well. So, like, they have to have a much broader knowledge base and... They can't. They don't have the luxury of just doing what they're told. At least not if you're, you know, in command track. So, like, I get that for part of it, but if your goal is just to like wash out, you know, ninety percent of your mm-hmm. of, of your already like most talented people, like, goddamn, what are you yeah. really going for? <laughs> I know. What's their problem? Like, which, which, just... which then kind of makes like the way the, the cavalierness with which they treat them and their lives later like insane yeah it makes no sense like they they're all the you know the elite of the elite this is not Mm -hmm. the starship troopers version of star wars right like they are not this is not the struggle of someone who started at the bottom and like got promoted and like it's like they were always going to be in these higher ranks from Mm -hmm. these better programs you know on the best ships with the best officers and obviously if they want them to be serving on the same ships as, you know, Grand Moff Jergerod or, or, or Darth Vader, like, they have to be the best, right? Like, right. they're not going to get on the executor on any other way. So I understand that kind of narrative need. But it, I, I was a little disappointed that, you know, the struggle for them wasn't in getting where they, they were. Right. It was just kind of like, yeah, of course, we're the best. We've always trained. We have natural ability. And, like, no, their money doesn't seem to be an object. And we're just we're just going to be the best. And then it's really all – the only problems are really internal. It's with right. their own feelings and thoughts and honor. Yeah, which, I don't know. It, it, it actually was very interesting because you start the book out um, – e- like, even knowing um, – having seen the movies like even knowing that yes certain players in the empire are evil or like the rebels call it evil like you don't from the movies you don't get a sense of that other than the fact that grand moff tarkin makes the presumably autonomous or cleared with like vader or emperor palpatine decision to blow up alderaan like beyond that there are a few like genuinely evil actions that the empire as a whole takes on screen in the course of the movies there's a few like truly evil characters that yes have a lot of power you know politically but that doesn't make any of the people under them evil that doesn't make the whole thing evil but so what one so you start the book and you part of it's that you're looking through child child's eyes and so you know you see the imperial officers as sort of you know either heroic or at least like mentor figures to be emulated and you know 
like there's actually a scene um, where they they meet Grand Moff Tarkin sneaking around a hangar because they're trying to get a look at his plane or his uh, starship. And, you know, he actually encourages these these two little kids from this backwater planet that he gives zero fucks about, um, you know, to, yeah, stick with your studies, apply to the academies, become a Starfleet officer. And um, so you get this the sense that, like, when the two of them make it, not just to an academy, but, like, the best academy, the and academy, then get, you know, yeah. get there and start excelling, that, like, hey, the Empire's a fucking meritocracy. There is something to be said for that, especially, like, in contrast yeah. with the, the home world they came from, where it was very striated and, like, upper class, lower class, you know, never the twain shall meet, the lower mm-hmm. class does not have opportunities, you know, and so on. And so, and so then over the course of the narrative, like you start to wake up with the characters to what the empire truly is. And you see like repeated instances of like morally, not just ambiguous, but like morally wrong things. You see slavery, you see, um, you know, people just kind of being crushed within the wheels of the empire. You see it consuming um, all the, the kind of core worlds that are sort of feeding off of all the rim worlds, everything sort of flowing to the center and not back out. And you just, you know, on whatever your sort of view of things is, you start to see the empire is not good. It might have, it might, it might not be made up of consistently evil people, but the empire itself is evil. Yeah. It's, it's like an evil institution that has good people in it, but Mm -hmm. those good people, you know, are constrained by the system. I mean, there are scenes where Sienna's like, oh, you know, I'm going to go somewhere where I can do some good, somewhere maybe where I'm not as... I mean, and and she is at the top, right? Like, the people Mm -hmm. she's serving with are the closest to evil, right? Like, these are the people who go into rooms with Vader and make decisions. So she may be seeing the Empire from a loftier and thus more evil position. Mm Mm-hmm than somebody serving on some random base somewhere. Right. Which I think is necessary for the story to give it more gravitas and, you know, like, to make her decisions feel more epic. Uh, But, yeah, it's interesting. It's an interesting um, way to tell the story from the the viewpoint of a very sympathetic character who happens to be an Imperial who's given multiple chances to say, I don't want to be an Imperial anymore. And she never does. Mm-hmm. Like uh, even up until the end, she's like, no, I'm loyal to the empire that, that I gave them my, my, my word. Yeah. And it, it she, she never directly has the, uh, the thought that when my five years are up, I'm done. I mean, mm-hmm. it's kind of implicit, but you know, she's like, I just want to get it by the end. She is kind of beaten down and she's like, I just want to get through my service and then I'm out. <laughs> but, right. You know, but, but that but is, she seems to go to, I mean, she chooses suicide before she chooses to like, to break her out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, before we move on, I do want to talk about Nash Windrider, who I think is an amazing character to stick in this novel. And like, like, fuck you, Claudia Gray for doing that to me because it was, it was too emotional because so Nash is the is um, one of Thane's roommates and he is from Alderaan and you know you get to see him kind of rising up the ranks with them and he's very happy-go-lucky and he has the long Alderanian hair and then he's there <laughs> when Alder you know when Alderaan is is he is he there or is he um, he is, somebody's he, there yes uh, they're all there um, <laughs> they're all there oh actually no Thane is not because. 
okay, so Thane was posted to the Death Star as a TIE fighter. Mm. Um, and he so was he, was, yeah. he was off on a mission when the Death Star... Uh, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the movies, stop listening, <laughs> go watch the movies. Uh, <laughs> it came out in 1977. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he's off on a mission when the Death Star gets blown up. Uh, by the rebels um sienna and nash were stationed to the same star destroyer and um although i think he was there as as a tie pilot and she was there as a junior officer um so anyway they're both had already been put into like the science area right yeah um and jude yes jude was on on the death star as um, a science officer so um Sienna and um, and Nash were there to witness the destruction of Alderaan and then the subsequent destruction of the uh, Death Star. Actually, maybe um, Thane was there when they blew up Alderaan. He wasn't there when they blew up the Death Star. Yeah, that's what it is. He was there when yeah. they blew up Alderaan. You know, it's such anyway. It just fucked me up because it's like, okay, yes, you see it from you you see it from Leia's perspective, and that's Leia's mm-hmm. home too. But she. Is like she just doesn't ever really mourn, at least in a place where we can see it. Right. Yeah. Um. Like in, you know, on film. Whereas Nash is is just like, what can he do? He can't mm-hmm. be sad because he'll be accused of of <coughs> excuse me, you know, uh, uh, of having sympathies with these these rebels, this whole planet of rebels. And yeah. so he has to like be quiet, and then like, how does he deal with that psychologically? He and he he kind of twists it in, in, until it's something that fuels his his fervorism for the empire, and it's just like a really sad, like very dramatic, almost kind of Shakespearean arc for him. Like mm-hmm. the guy that like the the guy that destroys himself ra- rather than like face the truth. Yeah, which is that everyone died for no reason. Yeah. Yeah, that was, um, and, and, you know, it was, what's interesting is that as a side character, he is, um, in the end more than just like an emotional point. Like he actually Mm -hmm. does have a part that he kind of plays, um, throughout the narrative, um, even, uh, to the end of it. Um, and I don't know. I just I don't I don't want to see Nash's face when he realizes that Sienna's not dead. <laughs> Dude, when he like decides that he's gonna start making a play for Sienna, like <laughs> it's just like red alert, red alert, <laughs> boom, boom. Cause it's just like, what are you doing, man? Like every decision you have made since the day Alderon, you know, got torched <laughs> has been a terrible decision. <laughs> <laughs> and he's trying to go after this woman that is more broken than he is because she's she's like a she's like a double she lives a double life like she has this whole like I'm an imperial officer I'm gonna get up every day and do my duty to the best of my ability you know I have parents that would be hurt if I didn't do those things but then also she's like totally in love with this guy that dumped her and then she thinks he's dead and then she discovers he's not and then she thinks that he could be dead any day because he's a rebel and she hates him but she loves i mean she's fucked up yeah and i feel like thane handles that so much better than she does <laughs> he's just like yes i love her and he tells everybody too he's like like when he gets drunk and Mom <laughs> oh man uh 
Yeah. Can you imagine Mon Mothma? She's just like trying to get somewhere, very important meeting, and there's this drunk guy in the hallway, and she's like, oh, I better help him. And then like 30, <laughs> 30 hours later, he's done telling her the story of Sienna. <laughs> <laughs> Which it, it's, you know, it's, it's very telling because he's like, I've told you the only parts of my life worth telling, and they're all about her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's just like, well, that you should deal with that. <laughs> Actually, I really can I can I read that section? I highlighted it because I really loved what she had to say. Um, so while I'm while I'm digging my notes out because it always takes me forever to remember like where the fuck they are. Um, I think. Um, uh, okay, here we are. Um, Mon Mothma rose to her feet, and as she stepped closer, Thane saw in her expression the kindness he'd sensed through his haze the previous night. It's all right if you still love someone on the other side of this war, as long as you love what you're fighting for more. And I don't know, I thought, um, I thought that was a really, like, helpful thing for her to say in that moment, like, at, mm-hmm. as, you know, a, a leader of the rebellion and a, you know, political figure, but also realizing that as kind of, you know, one of the heads, she has the quasi-parental responsibility to the people that have, you know, chosen to, like, give their lives to this cause. Um, And basically to say, like, it's okay to have split, you know, to have split emotions as long as you don't have a split loyalty, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I think part of the reason that Thane is able to handle it better is because he's in a place where he has chosen to be, and it, like, it resonates with with him like he didn't Mm -hmm. he didn't defect from the empire straight to the rebellion like he went through a phase of just kind of being a working stiff where he was just you know living living and um decided to come to the rebellion because he saw more and more of how much he hated what the empire was doing and what they stood for so like he's in a place that he that he believes in and that is like where he's chosen to be and where he doesn't have to deny that he has feelings for someone on the other side whereas sienna like she's bound by her honor to stay where she is even though she at that point probably i mean she within like a couple years i think has decided she doesn't want to be there anymore um but there she is anyway and she's going to like fulfill that promise and that oath but she can't tell anyone that she has split feelings she can't tell anyone that thane's still alive she can't tell anyone that one time she chose her love for him over the her oath to the empire when she she was sent to basically to investigate his disappearance and she came back and told her superiors that he had committed suicide as far as she could tell and right. they you know that he was dead um and not at uh anyone they needed to pursue and so like her, her thing it's more like like she can't be honest about it that's that's the whole problem is that, and that's why it, i think it fucks her up so much yeah yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Like, it's a, it's all about choice. I want to go back before we move on um, yeah. to, to Mon Mothma. So Mon Mothma's a fucking amazing character. She's a huge badass in the books. I love that they're keeping her, like, in the new canon, that she was in Rogue One. Uh, it's really exciting just to see her. This is a woman that, ha- you know, she's the leader of the rebellion, essentially. You know, mm-hmm. one, of the main, one of the main people. So, but I think what's really great about Mon Mothma is that, yes, she's, completely motivated by the big picture 
but she cares deeply about individuals. Mm -hmm. And I think that that makes her at that point in the story a really good foil for um, Tarkin at the beginning of the story because Mm -hmm. Tarkin is very, like, unemotionally involved and manipulative in saying, like, you know what, yeah, be like me. You be you know aspire mm-hmm. to be like me join the empire and then later on he's like see some honey got us you know two very good officers that's that's a resource we don't have to like enslave everyone whereas right. mon mothma who is attempting to keep a good fighter in her in her arsenal mm-hmm. is not doing it from that manipulative like i need a weapon perspective but from right. like hey you know i believe in this and you believe in this and i don't want to lose that kind of determination i don't know i just really liked that that kind of like let's bring in mom i mean i had to have been really scary for claudia gray it would have been scary for me to be like and then you're gonna put in some on mothma and i'd be like excuse me (laughs) i get to write her i don't know i don't know if i can write the words to have like a deep enough like galadriel kind of voice that she has (laughs) like (laughs) like when i read her lines that they're all slow and calm and (laughs) She's just like space mom. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you said something else about how Sienna hadn't. It's almost as if she. There's like that great line that Thane tells her, like further into the story, where he's like, you know, it's you have not. You're not the one that failed the Empire. The Empire failed you. Mm-hmm. He's like, it broke its oath to you. It wasn't what it said it was. Right. And, yeah, it's like she she decides kind of early on, basically the moment that she sees the, uh, the Death Star in action, that this is not what she signed up for. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if a lot of that is due to the fact that the Empire, I think the Empire began the same year that Thane was born or something like that. They say that at the beginning of the story. So mm-hmm. it's a relatively young, it, It's it's, you know, 20 years old and the we're looking at a generation that has grown up under the empire but their parents didn't Mm -hmm. and so sienna's parents kind of instilled in her things that just didn't it's which is interesting because thane's parents were assholes yeah and yet he's still also i wonder i don't know i don't know if that's inherent or like are you born good or is it just because sienna was so good that she rubbed off on Thane? I, I think I think it depends um, very much on the individual and and the circumstances because um, yeah, if you like I'm a, uh, not that I'd like to talk too much about it here but I'm a mom so I do read a fair amount of like psychology especially around you know child rearing and, and some of that um, inevitably like touches on like abuse situations and like there um there are articles that will talk about how a child having like one mentor even if it's not like a family member if it if it is someone that they truly trust can sometimes be enough to like break them out of the chain mm-hmm. and um so Thane might not have had a authority an authority figure but he had Sienna he had one person who was kind to him and believed in him and that was enough um so, you know, that coupled with his own sort of perspective, because he, he basically spent his childhood wanting to be a Starfleet officer so he could get off Jalukin and never look back. Right. Um, and so, you know, there there is... Um, well, I think there, there are people that just, the way their mind works probably, like, has enough 
sort of natural ability to see larger pictures and other perspectives that they they wouldn't necessarily need that person even if you don't have that that kind of wiring having that Mm -hmm. one person can be enough yeah i think it's almost like he he just wanted to leave whereas he saw sienna had had something to strive for Mm -hmm. and like he wanted that he wanted to be like her yeah or maybe he you know kind of looked at what his options were and said well the uh, the only viable way off is the empire, so I'm going to do what it takes. Um, right, but she was doing it to honor her sister, to see the galaxy, to sh- you know. To, right, she to she make was her doing it proud. Yeah, she was doing it for like positive motivation. He was doing it as like avoidance. Right, you know, right. Yeah. But um, but, I, but I'm saying it might not have been like knowing her wasn't the only reason he wanted to go into the right. um, empire. He just looked at that and saw his only way off. Yeah, I love the way that they decide that they have the hots for each other <laughs> which is like you know after i don't know <coughs> excuse me after they are like 17 or whatever like once they get through like the awkward phase they like both decide oh hey they're hot mm-hmm. well I, I think roommates have a good amount of of to do with that too because aren't the roommates like kind of constantly like do mm-hmm. like seriously nothing like ev- ever like really mm-hmm. really look at him look at her (laughs) oh 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 (laughs) and then they go to the dance which is like imperial prom Ah! and leia's there we get we get uh our leia cameo yes on a on-screen cameo versus being talked about cameo yeah yeah she she gets talked about a lot Mm mm-hmm Partly um, because Nash is from Alderaan, so it's always like, oh, that's Nash's princess, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, poor Nash. <laughs> <sighs> um, yeah. I guess we can talk about, I know we're jumping around in the story, but uh, we could talk about, so after they graduate uh, and they are posted and they see Alderaan uh, destroyed and then they kind of are going about their duties and they're kind of dealing with that separately from each other and Thane comes to the conclusion that the Empire is bad whereas uh, Sienna decides that the Empire had to have done it for a reason that Mm -hmm. she just didn't, she wasn't high enough to understand it but she trusted them. Uh, But in all of that they have like lots of conversations where they think they're saying one thing and the other person's just completely interpreting it in a completely different way. Yeah. And because of that, Thane defects, and he thinks that Sienna's defecting with him, but that's not what's happening. She thinks that he's going to, like, double his efforts to be a really good Imperial, and that's not at all what happens. And anyway, so, you know, Thane needs a job. He's defected. He's on the run, and he gets this job (laughs) on the the best ship ever. Yes. That is literally what I was thinking. The Mighty Oak Apocalypse, which apparently sounds super badass in, uh, well, what's the, what's the one? It's not actually, they don't call it Wookiee. Do they call it Wookiee? No, they call it something else. Um, Hold on, I'm going to look it up. (laughs) (laughs) That's so good. Oh man, let's see. They 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 live on Kashyyyk. What the fuck? What is their language? I don't know. I just Shriwook. 
Shrywook. Shiri Shrywook. I've always said there's like a there's a Y and then an R and then I I. There's a lot of vowels there. I've always said Shrywook, which is probably wrong. Uh, but yeah, so in 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 the language of the of the Wookies, the it means Mighty Oak Apocalypse, which sounds super badass and awesome and metal. Yes, <laughs> and it's it's also like it, it's even better than Serenity for being like a, a clunker of a ship that's like kept in the air by love, um, because it's like I mean Thane makes fun of it for being like a composite of like all these different like other ships and systems, like basically whatever tech they could afford, which is usually like not you know, high end or new, um, sort of got put in. And so like, it, it has this great moment where there's like the auto nav doesn't actually cancel out the manual override because they're like on different systems. And so they like, he has to use both systems to like pilot it down in the middle of a hurricane and everyone's all like, Oh my God, what just happened? But die. that's an example of, of, of the, of the way this ship is put together. It's just, it's like a, it's a Frankenstein ship. Um, yeah, and it's great because so the, the obviously it's owned by a Wookiee. Her name is Lohara, and she's like so old that she's all white. And you know Wookiees live a really long time, so she's got to be old. And so you know that ship is really old. So it's like <laughs> it's even older than like you know the Falcon. It's just yeah. like a piece of crap. <laughs> and she doesn't have any like other humans. Like she has Thane when he joins the crew, but the rest of her her ship is. Um, She's got an Athorian on there and an and an Astromech unit, and uh, there's at least one other kind of hairy thing, like I I didn't know what what it was because oh, I did um, Brill Brill is yeah. uh, oh god what is what is this species called Give me a second a Tarsant yeah I, I I had no reference for what that was I was like well it's not human okay <laughs> so. <laughs> Well, actually, and I'm sorry, Brill is a girl. I should because she's the pink one, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So a Tarsant is um. There's one in the Cantina in okay. New Hope. Okay. Um, they look kind of like a wide. I'm pretty. Is there? Is that? Was that on Endor? Yeah. They have like they look like a goat, but not the one with the horns. Like they're. They have, like, a flat, long face with, like, nostril slits and then, like, really wide set eyes, but then, like, a lot of, a lot of fur. So okay. it's, it's, like, um, more human, more human. It's, like, a, it's, <laughs> it's a- I don't, look up Tarsons. They're, they're, like, a weird, furry, Henson-looking alien. <laughs> okay. So... And this one's pink. So yeah, so he's the only human, which is great. And he learns how to speak uh, Shrywook in like a day. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was on the he was on the ship for like seven months. So yeah, I don't know if I could learn to speak that in seven. Months. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, if, if he got hired on as what like pilot, navigator, something like that, so mm-hmm. you know, if you're like spending most of your time like up up front in the in the cockpit with the wookiee captain like it's like that it's like the immersion supposedly if you like just go to a foreign country and stay there in three months you're fluent okay i guess so maybe he has an ear for it uh but yeah i i just really like them because not only do they have the coolest name in the universe but they also are just kind of like this ragtag crew of weird aliens and it just makes me because i'm i'm playing um 
a Star Wars RPG game right now uh, with some friends. We're playing Edge of Empire. And it just makes me feel like this is just, maybe this is Claudia Gray's, like, Edge of Empire <laughs> team. Like, she just, like, <laughs> stuck them in the book. Because, <laughs> like, they're so random. Yeah, well, you know, they are a little bit, um, like, uh, uh, oh, I'm blanking on the movie. Um, the, the one with the... The, the 80s mix and Gal- Guardians, of, Guardians the of the Galaxy. Yeah, it kind of felt a little bit like the Guardians of the Galaxy crew, <laughs> like the, a bunch of ragtag misfits, you know, yeah. flung, flung together. Um, but it, it's, it's also worth noting that Lagara is very, um, she follows her conscience. She has a yeah. conscience and she follows it. And, you know, Thane talks about the fact that like part of the reason their tech is so run down and they don't have a great ship is that she'll take jobs where they're not going to make money but it's the right thing to do like getting medical supplies to some outworld that the empire has abandoned but just like suffered a tsunami and needs you know the help needs the cargo um Mm -hmm. so even if they're not going to make money on the run they're still going to take it because it's the right thing to do right and that's how he hooks up with the rebellion because the rebellion's obviously doing that because they need that kind of I mean, I don't want to sound heartless, but they do need that kind of propaganda that yeah. they're coming in and, and being very selfless and helping people for the sake of helping them mm-hmm. and not just squandering resources to fight the empire. I mean, obviously, the rebellion comes from a good place, but there's got to be politics involved. But yeah, right. that's how he hooks up with them. And he gets to see Wedge Antilles, who is my Star Wars boyfriend. <laughs> I love Wedge Antilles. Like the, when he like shows up, I was like, oh, hey, babe. <laughs> nice to see you again. Doing good. And then of course Thane like thinks some like kind of like shitty like oh all right whatever this guy and I'm like shut up Thane. <laughs> yeah, you that... do not know who you are dealing with. Yep. Yeah, this this is this is Thane's face. Shut up Thane. <laughs> yeah. I'm like shut up Thane. Just like backhanding say... him like standing next yes. to him like boop. <laughs> not even the littlest bit of salt in Wedge's direction. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, but yeah, I love I love that. I love the MOA. I'm going to call them the MOA. Well, that's like, what I they just... called it. MOA. Yeah. MOA. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so great. I love them. And then, I, and I, unfortunately, Sienna's crew on the Empire side isn't nearly as cool as the Rebellion side because they just don't have aliens. So she's just got Nash, sad, skinny Nash. Yeah, basically. And her, and her friend Barice. Yes, uh, um... Yeah, they don't. She doesn't really register a lot of other people. The the way she and Baris become friends is, uh, they they get sent to go pick up Darth Vader. Um, th- they're the ones that rescue him when his Tie Fighter spun off of the uh, Death Star explosion into the depths of space. And Baris is basically like, "Hey, have you met Darth Vader? No, <laughs> I'm 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 pulling rank. You can go wait for his ass at the bridge or at the uh, loading bay because I'm staying right here." <laughs> Yeah, I was like, have you met him yet? Well, so actually, this is a great thing to, time to bring this up. Um, there are multiple times when she talks about being in Vader and the Emperor's presence mm-hmm. uh, and feeling the sinister kind of evil folding off of them. Mm-hmm. Does that mean that Sienna is force sensitive? What do you think? Um, that's that's an interesting postulation because there definitely is a theme of. You know, is the force like steering their destinies um, behind this? And you know, certainly 
being force sensitive would be one explanation for why she and maybe Thane both are such good, almost like instinctive pilots. I mean, I know mm-hmm. they put in the hours to train, but there's there's also a level of sometimes you get inspired to keep training when you have a like high degree of natural response to something you're trying to do. Like I know right. that I build skill in things that I am naturally good at. Otherwise, I like I have to really, 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 really want it. And it seems like they're both kind of naturally good at a lot of things, like the piloting. Mm-hmm. And that is what encourages them to continue, um, in addition to really wanting it. So. Yeah. I just think it's nice that, like, you know, Thane is very cynical and... And he's not very religious, and he doesn't. He thinks the force is kind of bullshit. And he joins the rebellion not because he thinks that like the new the new republic that they create is going to be this great thing, but he just knows that anything is better than the empire. So he's right. like, kind of a very cynical dude. Yeah. And then you have Sienna, who grew up in kind of a more religious household, who believes in the force. They talk about it. Uh, and she has the spiritual connection to her dead twin, who died when they were infants. Um, and you know, there's all this thing. So I'm wondering if it's just kind of, is she force sensitive or is she, is this just more of the dichotomy between the two? Because, you know, it, it makes sense that Vader would, and the emperor would make people feel uneasy, but mm-hmm. she does specifically describe like waves of uneasiness coming off of them. And right. to me that indicates that, that she's sensing something from the dark side. Yeah. And, and that was, that was my instinctive. Well, my, my instinctive reading on it when she said that she felt pure evil from him was mm-hmm. that, Oh, that's cause he's dark side, like not empire, but dark side. Mm-hmm. And there is a difference. Um, but like in my head that I didn't necessarily register that as her being force sensitive so much as like, is that something that like anybody can kind of feel um, if they're willing to like, right. If and Maurice is it. very much like not interested in like going back there to meet him. So yeah. You know, so she obviously feels effect. it. Right. Yeah. You know, um, or who knows, like Maurice has been in service slightly longer. Maybe she actually was in the room when he force choked someone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think that's interesting. Again, this goes back to my love of Rogue One. I love Star Wars stories that don't have the Force in them or mm-hmm. Jedi. Uh, I mean, obviously, there you could make a lot of arguments that the Force is at play in this story just because they do keep coming together in extraordinary circumstances. But, you know, there's not really any Jedi or Force or, like, any yeah. of that crap in this it, story. It, it, it's not overt. It's more like, um, you know, is it is it fate or is it just like um you know statistical improbability but not an impossibility right exactly and it's not that impossible they're both you know they're they're just they're both doing the same thing they just work for different sides so yeah and i mean if you look at the the smallness of the rebellion in comparison to the largeness of the empire like anybody who's routinely sent into combat situations on the Imperial side, there is actually a pretty high probability of meeting the same rebels that, you know, that they, that they over and over again. And then Sienna being like top of her class command track, you know, vetted by like grand Moff Tarkin and like put under the um, sort of tutelage of another grand Moff to be groomed for command. Like why wouldn't she then be serving on the ships with Vader who's always in combat with the rebels or, you know, that sort of thing. So Right, right. Yeah, no, I agree. I I mean, I'm very – I'm not 
to me, the force is an energy field that some people can use and other <clears throat> people can't. I don't think it, I personally do not think that it is a sentient force or um, a manipulative force. Uh, but some people do, like my boyfriend and I, like we fundamentally <laughs> disagree about the nature of the force, which I think is hilarious. Our neighbors probably think we're insane. <laughs> the kind of the kind of arguments that we. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I think I don't want to feel like I'm influencing you too much. But yeah, I'm I'm with you on this. I don't I don't necessarily see the force at work in this in this story as much as as I see the wishes of two people. I mean, come on. They both go they both keep just going back to their stupid cave. Like, <laughs> this is not the force. This is them. They just want to be together. Yeah, I mean, if yeah, like but what what is nice about it is it's masterfully done because it strikes that balance. Like you yeah. can make an argument for both Either sides. way. Yeah, and if that's your thing, you can read the story and, and it works. It's it's such, I don't know, I just love that it's really simple. It's just like a, you know, a star-crossed kind of simple story. Uh, and there's not very many characters and it's a very familiar universe. So there's not a ton of world building going on because we know what a Star Destroyer is. We know <laughs> what Alderaan is. Right. And yet, it's just like all the good things that I need. Like, I need a Lost Stars movie so badly. Like, <laughs> like Rogue One and Lost Stars. That's it. Those. That's my Star Wars aesthetic. Like, I just need non-Force users fucking around in Star Wars galaxy and some TIE fighters. That's it. That's all I need. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I love that they get to go to the Academy. I love that shit. <laughs> great yeah it was uh it it was good so um so what else do we need to talk about here because the there are some other places that we visit because okay so obviously we see the death star explosion then we see the escape from hoth and then we mm-hmm. see um oh, yeah, uh, and you get to you get to meet dak i'm like oh dak, <laughs> dak. um no. and we also see the uh second uh explosion of the death star so you see the um you know the combat what is it the battle of endor i guess is what they officially uh-huh. call it um was there anything else that's on screen in the movies the, that the battle of jakku so okay. that's the that's the lead up to the force awakens so you know you have you have the the three main the three main climaxes of the of the original trilogy and then um at the end of the book the climax of this story where Thane and Sienna finally kind of confront each other is over Jakku and it is Sienna's command her her star destroyer the inflictor that is the giant star destroyer that has been that has crashed into Jakku that ray is scavenging in. Oh, okay. 30 years later on Jakku in The Force Awakens. Okay, I had not quite picked up on that. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of the connection where, you know, like uh, there's um, there's like a scene for a second on Jakku where you see some people like going through an escape pod, like collecting parts. It's like maybe mm-hmm. that's Sienna and Thane's escape pod, you know. Oh. <laughs> Could be anything, but... Just need it. It was so funny because now every time I watch a Star Wars, a Star like I, I watched uh, The Force Awakens, I'm like, who's got red hair? Who's a little black girl? Like where are they? <laughs> I need 
Like, I need my characters to be alive and well because it just ends. Like, we have no yeah. idea what they're what, – that's kind of one of the reasons I like this story a lot, too, because they get together. They can – you know, they, they have the, the awesome fight. It's very Farscape of them. They, like, kick each other's ass, and then they're like, okay, let's survive this, this Star Destroyer crashing into a planet, which has to be awesome, but they're inside it, so we don't really get to see it described too much. And then – um, it's like, oh, great, they're together, finally. And it's like, actually, no, Sienna's in jail because she's, <laughs> yeah, she's a dirty, rotten imperial. She's an imperial war criminal. She's a high-ranking yeah. officer now. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. like, so now she's in jail and Thane's like, well, I know about Mothma because I puked on her shoes. So like, this is going to work out for me. But it just ends. <laughs> we don't, we don't go to the trial. We don't, we don't really know ultimately what happened to them. Yeah. And, you know, that's. There's no hints in The Force Awakens, like, at all, unless oh, they're, like, yeah. that we know of. That we know of. Um, so, I mean, is there a planned sequel on this, or is that it? Uh, there is, as of yet, no announced sequel, although clearly they have opened it for that much. Um, mm-hmm. Claudia Gray did write another Star Wars book. It's called Bloodline. Mm-hmm. It follows... Um, it follows Leia Organa uh, as as Chancellor in I don't I want to say probably in like the five years before um is it the five years no is it before Ben is born it's some I can't remember you guys I'm sorry I read that book like a year ago but it's it's (laughs) her story it's her story before The Force Awakens so like after um the New Republic has been established Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's kind of running around and it's kind of how she decides to defect from that government and kind of go back to being a general mm-hmm. and starting a new, a kind of a new rebel force. Uh, and, and so the first order is in it. There's some other characters in it. Um, so that is kind of a nice connection. It's, I don't know. I didn't like it as much as lost stars, mostly because the politics uh as related to the first order and the economics most especially as related to the first order make zero fucking sense to me uh (laughs) so that bothered me a lot i spent a lot of time just like being upset about how this is not possible they cannot afford this but whatever Uh, (laughs) but it's a great book uh it's you know if you like the style of lost stars you can read that but it's it's it stars leia and her team and then i think um yeah i think it's i think ben is like I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember if he's born or not. <laughs> There's like a whole thing where like Han Solo is like him and Chewie are like racing. They're like race spaceship drivers. <laughs> and she's a and like anyway, basically what happens is she's a chancellor and it comes out. Uh, people find out that her father is Darth Vader mm-hmm. and it has been kept secret until that moment. And so I guess, yeah, I think it is after Ben has been born because no, Ben also doesn't know Ben is with Luke. And so it comes out, it ruins her political career. Um, and it's just kind of the fallout of that and how no one trusts her anymore, even though she has the best interest of the new Republic at heart and how she's trying to get people to believe her that there's this new force of um, leftover Imperials called the First Order and they have a bunch of money and a bunch of weapons and no one believes her. And they're kind of trying to demilitarize the new Republic. And so she's like, fuck this. And she goes off and becomes general Leia, which is the Leia that we see in the force awakens. So, uh, mm-hmm. that's kind of the basic, super basic plot. There's a lot of crazy stuff that happens in it. So if you like star Wars, you should read it. But yeah. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> I'm sorry that I can't remember if Ben had been born or not. It's all I'm right. going to get like an angry email where it's like, I can't believe. I'm like, I don't. I just don't remember. Well, look, I mean, obviously we read a lot of books between Hither and Yon. And, you know, there's also know, it's Star Wars. No, he was definitely well, born. He's definitely with Luke because I couldn't believe that her own fucking family didn't know. Like that poor Ben. I mean, this must be what breaks him. That yeah. he's, like, out there training and, like, hey, by the way, your grandpa's Darth Vader? Like, that's fucked up. Yeah, clearly he had the Nash Windrider reaction, which is yeah, just to, uh, absolutely. to go all in on that in order to, like, shield his fragile, like, ego from, like, acknowledging the, the darkness within him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And obviously, like, he probably hurt that his, that his mother prioritized the rebellion over him and all this stuff. yeah. So. Yeah. There's a lot of psychology. I mean, I feel like the Skywalkers, like, okay, fine, they have their problems, uh, which is why I like Rogue One a lot, because they're not in it. But, you know, like, I think they're a really great family to watch, mm-hmm. especially this this latest generation and all this bullshit with Ben and, I should say, Kylo. Yeah. Well, what, what's, what's interesting about Bloodline is if it creates mommy issues, because... Like, so much of Star Wars is about daddy issues, mm-hmm. including this book. So many daddy issues. Yes, including so many daddy issues. Um, but yeah, it would be interesting if it was mommy issues. And also heartbreaking because, you know, the rumor is is that they were going to expand uh, Carrie Fisher's role, especially for the third, the third uh, movie. Uh-huh. So, sucks. Yeah. Never going to be over that. Uh, but... Leia's such a great character, and this is actually the first time that I've read Lost Stars since Carrie died. Uh, and every time Leia's on screen, uh, on screen, in in on the page, it's just that character. She's just so important. <laughs> <I> just... <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, one one of the uh, one one of the striking moments for for me was Sienna thinking about. Because Leia's at the the Star Wars prom, um, and you know she's you know kind of looking at her and thinking, "Wow, this woman is my age, and yeah. I'm just barely graduating. I haven't been out in the world at all. I haven't known anything except, you know, trying to get into the academy and now the the academy. And you know she's my age, and she's a senator, and she's you know here like politically and making you know connections and working the room and like basically being an adult. And it was just like a I mean, something that you don't think about with regard to Leia. Um, in, how young she was. It, 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 yeah, it's just how young she must have started that. But, I mean, but then again, if you look at um, all the stuff with Padme, that was a world yeah. where, like, the, you know, the em- Empress, was that the term they used? Or Queen, queen. or Queen. queen. Yeah, the, the Queen was, like, she stepped down when she was, what, 15? You know, or something like that. Yeah, uh, they they elect them when they're fourteen because only only people that young have the wisdom mm-hmm. to rule. I think is the rule is the the idea on Naboo. But yeah. yeah, you know, actually that reminds me of like there is a short scene on Naboo where it's after the Battle of Endor and they're still the rebels are still fighting um, em- the Empire and they are. They are trying to keep Naboo out of Imperial hands because it's become a rallying place because that's where also where Palpatine is from. He was the mm-hmm. chancellor of, of Naboo. And it just makes me really sad to think that 
after all of that bullshit, after, you know, if you start at the beginning, you know, and watch and watch the Phantom Menace and come all the way through, you're, you're, you're watching this, this beautiful planet where, you know, where um, Padme was from, where she worked so hard and felt so strongly. And then Naboo becomes a rallying point for the supporters of Palpatine and the Empire. Like, that yeah. hurts. <laughs> that hurts. Like, get the fuck off this planet. <laughs> ah. I'm glad you liked it, though. I wasn't sure because, you know, our my, tra- my history with you in YA novels is bad. <laughs> Well, like, I'm always like, read this great YI novel. And you're like, I fucking hate you. Why'd you read me read this? <laughs> I was like, oh, no, she, I'm going to make her read Star Wars and YA. And she's going to be like, uh. Well, the, the, the thing is, though, this was, this was, yes, it, it, it was YA in that the plot line was fairly linear, fairly simple. And, um, you know, it had the kind of close focus on the characters. But it wasn't like. It wasn't angsty. Like, for all the angst and the emotional sort of drama, like, nobody actually really let that get in the way of getting shit done. Like, yeah. Because and, and you would like, die. Yeah. <laughs> and I think maybe that's, like, my biggest issue with most, like, of the of the YA is just it's the dithering around it. Um, like, it's, it's one thing to have the feels. We all have the feels. But just get shit done. Like, make, make mm-hmm. things happen. I don't know. I don't uh, so I have one last, one last kind of fun, geeky question. There is a book, uh, by Ryan Britt. It's called Luke Skywalker can't read and other geeky truths. <laughs> um, so when you watch the original trilogy, there is very little evidence that any of the characters are literate. Uh, uh-huh. there's like one, there's the scenes where Luke is in the X-Wing and he's reading the Arabesh on the screen in his X-Wing when R2 is talking to him. And I think that's kind of it's <laughs> like <laughs> in terms of like people reading right uh-huh. and then uh if you go to the force awakens the kind of major plot point is that no one can find luke skywalker because no one can read a map right uh, it's like oh there's a hole in the map i'm like yeah okay but like it's one map you can't fill in the holes in the map <laughs> like, I just, that's not how maps work but you know whatever so there's this theory that like okay the people in star wars are illiterate because everything's based on the holonet they speak everything mm-hmm. uh it's not like star trek where they're constantly reading stuff on screens mm-hmm. so judging by this book mm-hmm. are the can the characters in this book read <laughs> I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> like, can you can you think of any evidence in which they can they are literate? <laughs> uh, just it's just a question. No, <laughs> like I can't because I I think even at the academy, I, I I don't know that the word read was ever used. You know mm-hmm. what? I'm gonna cheat. I'm about to like Kindle search this motherfucker. Kindle search read. Yeah. Kindle search the word read. Well, because I'm thinking like you know when remember when Sienna gets her orders from Moff Rand, uh huh, and she has to physically report there and get them from him. I'm like, you can't get an email getting mm-hmm. you your orders. Uh, oh wait, you know I can think of there are the points where they're on the Death Star and they're looking for each other, and I think someone I can't remember if it's Thane or Sienna, someone checks a console. Yes. Okay. Um, here we go. I have I have confirmation. Um, 
Jude gave Sienna an apologetic glance. Sir, it appears to the person responsible for framing Cadet Re was Cadet Thane Kyrell himself. Uh, wait, what the shit? No. <laughs> like, I, I had it. It was, anyway, it was something, it, it was using the analogy about, like, uh, as if she were reading a list of, like, machine parts or something. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, because Jude's, like, the hacker. She hacks in to try to figure out what went on in that, in yeah. that exam. Um, but yeah, it's like as if calmly and evenly as if she were reading a list of machine parts, sir, cadet Jude Edivan of Bespin TI-803 reporting in. But see, that's not, okay, that's using the analogy. So they know what reading is. But they that's know not, what reading is, but can they but read? But can they read? <laughs> All right. I don't know. <laughs> You'll never watch a Star Wars movie the same way again. You're just going to be like, can anyone read? <laughs> I'll never watch Spaceballs the same way again either. Like... <laughs> I, he's an asshole too, you know sir. The best, the, what? <laughs> I'm surrounded by assholes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know the best part about Spaceballs is that the plot to The Force Awakens and the plot to Spaceballs is exactly the same. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> no, I'll really never watch it the same way. <laughs> Anyway, anyway, it's a fun book. It's called Luke Skywalker Can't Read Other Geeky Truths. Um, uh, yeah. I got that book. I think I got it at a New York Comic Con a few years ago, and I thought, oh my fucking God, he's right. And I just like read the whole thing. Like, And then I like, you know, there's a couple places where it's like ambiguous at worst, but mm-hmm. kind of like, all right, they're reading something. Right. But I just think it's hilarious that that book came out years ago. And 2015, I think it came out. And then The Force Awakens came out. And the major plot point of that that movie is that no one can read. (laughs) So anyway, uh, they can't read, but we can. Uh, Lost Stars, A+. What's your your likelihood of evangelizing? That's that's too long. I'm going to say rabidity level. I haven't found anything better. Um, Yeah. well, I would say my rabidity level's got to be like a solid seven or eight. Like if if oh one my of my friends, that's a success. If one of my friends is like, I feel the need to read a Star Wars book, I'll be like, <laughs> Hey, I've got one. And if there's a sequel, like I'm on that shit, like release day. Yes, I am on it. Like tattoo it on my body. And I think what's also really great is it's because it's Star Wars. But if you, when I was looking up reviews of this book just to like see if I could get any like good, you know things to say about it um <laughs> it's so funny to see all the dudes reviewing this book because it's a ya romance novel yeah you and sold you, you sold it to me as like it's romeo and juliet with star wars <laughs> right and like i'm like okay but like how many like and this is a little stereotypical but like how many of these guys are really reading ro- YA romance, but they're mm-hmm. all like, thumbs up, Lost Stars is awesome. <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah, it is. Read more romance. <laughs> well, it's, 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 what I've, it's what I've talked about in a previous podcast. Sometimes the best way to, like, get a message across is to, like, stealth attack that shit in, mm-hmm. you know. Put it, put it inside a TIE fighter box, and they're going to open it. Yes, make love to that TIE fighter box. (laughs) You know what's really sad? Nash is not just a TIE fighter pilot. He is a TIE interceptor pilot. So now I've got the hots for Nash. Oh. 
Well, Nash is definitely like being groomed toward a major role of prime evil. So prime evil, I know it's just my kind of guy. Uh, <laughs> what's what's up next? It's not revenge this time. So what are you gonna make me read? Um, okay, well, I I have a question for you. If if you're okay bending the rules, because there's okay. this book that recently crossed my path. It's a book that I used to see at the bookstore. And the description on the back was always like whack as fuck. So no matter how pretty the cover was, I could never make myself buy it to read. Um, but it crossed my path again. And apparently it's like a post-galactic empire set oh. book. So like it could be cool thematically in that way. Um, but it's some retro science fiction from 1980. It's called The Snow Queen by Joan Vinge. Do you know it? Have you read I it? I do not. I do not know it, and I have not read it. Okay, so well, we would be bending the rules. So if, if you're cool bending the rules and doing like we're both going on this adventure for the first time, then I want to read that book next. Yeah. All sure. right, let's do it. I'm intrigued <laughs> by the post galactic empireness of it all. Yes. <laughs> well, I've been intrigued by the pretty Michael Whelan cover since like about. 2008 oh so. that's the so that's it's the cover it's his snow queen poster with the yeah. with the girl in the hat uh-huh okay yeah, yeah i've yeah. seen that i've seen that painting uh but i have never read the book that it goes with okay well let's change that it's a hugo award winner it might be good all right. so or it might be terrible it's from 1980 after all <laughs> <laughs> we will never see we're out of the 70s you know what rachel we are we we are progressing slowly because we've gone from like 74 to 75 to 76 star wars came out in what 77 78 now we're up to 1980 we have broken the barrier we're in the 80s (laughs) (laughs) okay we're doing so good we're doing so good yes because he has a whole triptych of winter and summer Mm -hmm. and yeah yeah yeah. Because I used to be, like, super obsessed with Michael Wallen, so. Okay, well, I'll, if we love the, if we love the Snow Queen, maybe we should do a cosplay Snow Queen, Summer Queen. That would be, like, amazing. <laughs> As if we need more shit to build, right? <laughs> I love this idea. I love this idea. Oh, okay, okay. Okay, anyway, let's, let's read not, the book first. It might be let's terrible. <laughs> let's not okay, get ahead of ourselves. Okay, all right, cool. Cool idea. <laughs> we'll break, we, we are allowed to break the rules once in a while. It's, yeah. It's our prerogative. Yeah, it's, it's right, our fucking cool. podcast. All right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I will read the fucking book. <sighs> okay. All right, cool. Uh, may the force be with you. And also with you. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye.